Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Own the Microphone. Today, I have with me the one, the only, Aris Scales. Aris, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Happy to be here. <laughs> and for my regular listeners, I know you're thinking, that doesn't quite sound like Bridget. Yes, I am battling something of a cold at the time of this recording, and I said I'm still going to push through, although my voice doesn't sound as wonderful, quote unquote, wonderful as it usually does. You know, I got to keep it fresh for you. I have to keep you on your toes and bring you something new. And bringing you something new means giving you a different sound of my voice. That's not all that great. All right, but we're going to push through. So Eris has done all kinds of things in her professional life. We'll get into that in a little bit. But the first thing that I want to talk about is the fact that you did not just walk into adulthood and say, I'm going to be a professional speaker. That's what I'm going to do, point blank, end of story. Where did you start in your professional career and how did you land in the world of professional speaking? I love this question because it, for me, reiterates that even though we think we know what we're going to do or where we're going to go, life doesn't always follow that script, right? And so I think back to as a child, can I, can I start early? You may start as early as you like. Okay. You can start in the womb, Eris. <laughs> the microphone is on you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, you know, I grew up in kind of an era where you didn't necessarily talk about what happens in the house, right? Um, children were to be seen and not heard. And so I wasn't one who thought I would be a public speaker, or I wasn't one who always felt comfortable speaking publicly because I was actually trained and raised to kind of be silent. And that's often something that we see for a lot of women, period, right? We're, we just aren't taught to use our voice. And I wanted to be an artist. <laughs> and I remember saying to my mom, I wanted to major in art and humanities. And she was like, girl, we don't come from money. You better go find another major, <laughs> right? You better go find something else uh, to, to follow when you go to college. And the closest thing that I could find to being like kind of creative was broadcast journalism. I've always been a writer, like literally since I was three. So while I may not have been vocal with my voice, I was vocal with the pen. So I majored in broadcast journalism. I thought I was going to be the next Barbara Walters, the next Oprah Winfrey, whatevs. That didn't necessarily pan out. And so I kind of went into corporate communication. And every single day, I felt like my soul was being sucked out in the private sector. No disrespect to all my private sector friends and my corporate friends, but I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I also grew up in a family that was really focused on um, activism, service, uh, supporting the community. So that was in me to be like an advocate and an activist. And I saw this opportunity to bring communications and activism together and went into the public sector. And that's how I started working with all these elected officials, working on strategic initiatives. But my angle and what my value add was 
creating messaging, creating outreach and engagement strategies that was able to advance these really complex, very political uh, policies and initiatives that involved redeveloping communities, you know, how we were addressing gentrification, how we were closing economic gaps for communities that had high unemployment rates. And all of that stuff required funding, it all required uh, legislation. So how do you get those community members to be educated and informed and part of that process? So I was pulling from my communications background. I was forced to go out and speak to large audiences of people I didn't know, right? And to convince them to come on board for things that we wanted to do to improve communities, but that were often seen as something that was going against community. And so I've developed, um, I guess you would say, you know, just a knowing and a knack for that. So I get, I got tapped over and over and over again to be that person. It's like, hey, we're going to put Eris out there and we're going to let her craft messaging. We're going to let her go deliver the content and we're going to let her create that buy-in so we could advance these things. And that was really how it started for me. I didn't think that I would be a public speaker, um, but when I think about it, that was the groundwork and, and I love it and I appreciate it. So it sounds like there was a lot of tough selling you had to do. And it sounds like you had a lot of hard work with getting buy-in, but your presentations made the difference. And someone saw that, many people saw that. And like you said, that's why you kept getting tapped over and over again. Now, mm -hmm. I know the question that listeners have right now, how did you do it? Like, what was the secret sauce? Because so many of us have had those situations where we've got a tough crowd and we must sell them. How, give us, I don't know, two or three of your ingredients to your secret sauce for doing it. Two or three. I love this. So one of the things that I think is so important and, you know, whether I'm in a community, which I haven't been in a community like that in quite some time doing that sale, but, you know, or if I'm in a room full of execs or professionals or women who are seeking empowerment and guidance, the first thing I try to do is always start with the point of view of my audience. Like you have to know your audience. And I think when we, um, you know, the speakers that we are most drawn to, the speakers that we're most inspired by, the ones that we want to hear and see over and over again, are those that we feel like we can connect to, right? Who are relatable, who are speaking to us, for us and about us. And so any situation that I go into, I have to first and foremost know who that audience is and really who the, um, you know, whomever's brought me there to do the presentation or to do the remarks or to go sell and get that buy-in, what's your end game and what's your goal? Because I can't come in and have something that I'm delivering or trying to achieve without understanding what it is that you want that audience to take away or what action you want them to take by way of you having me come and be that presenter or that speaker. So I always tell people, know your audience and you have to adapt and adjust to your audience. It's disrespectful. <laughs> I think it is disrespectful to even come in and not try to meet your audience where they are, right? So that's one of the, the first things that I, I really value doing. The other is I'm a simple person and, uh, you know, I'm here in the nation's capital with all the smartest people in the world. And I say, look, you know, keep it simple. Let's bring it down. We got to make things relatable. Again, it's like, how do people relate to you? And so if we start using words that people don't understand, 
pontificating, you know, pie in the sky, or if we have 20 different points and messages that we're trying to get across, that main point and that main message goes right over people's heads. So I say, keep it simple, right? Know your audience. And I really, really value that you take the time to, to understand what works for you, right? So many times I think with speakers, we'll see someone or we'll see other people and we try to emulate that. And I think that there are definitely things that we want to pull from folks by way of like, hmm, you know, I value X, Y, and Z around what they delivered, but it's, but you're not adapting it and making it authentic to who you are. And so now you're showing up and you're being someone else and people see through that and they recognize that so quickly um, that it doesn't allow them again to really connect to you. So, you know, know yourself, know your audience and know exactly what it is that you want to say and what the, the, the person or the entity or the group that has you there is seeking to achieve. Those are three fantastic, fantastic strategies. Starting with that audience's point of view, uh, what's their end game and then keeping it simple, making it relatable, and then taking the time to know what works for you. But did you always know that? I mean, did you always have those three tools in your arsenal? Because, okay, so I'm getting a silent no, everybody. I've, I've gotten more than one silent no, maybe about five as I'm rolling through this. So you haven't always been this confident speaker. Where did it come from? How did it evolve? How can we get where you are, Eris? I, let me tell you, I have a funny story. So the first time I was asked to deliver a keynote, I'm not gonna lie, it was terrible, <laughs> y'all. It was me too, really- me too, like straight up, it was. Straight up, it was bad, it was bad. <laughs> um, I had no point of view. <laughs> I, was, I was not concise. There was nothing simple about what I was sharing. I literally didn't even know what in game or goal the organization who invited me to speak before 500 of their members wanted. Um, I just got up there and did what I was kind of used to doing, which was presenting. <laughs> and it, it, it was a flop. Okay. Um, it was a flop. Um, and so I walked away. I was like, Oh, I had my head down. And the next time I had to present in a major way, I literally kind of followed those steps. I I had to sit back and go, all right, Iris, you know what you need to do before you go in front of an audience, whether it's a presentation to the community or if you're giving a a lecture to a student, like, you know what you need to do. And it's the same that applies when you're speaking to large groups, right? So I kind of, I, I built those things out. But the one thing that I really continue to lean in on now as I'm speaking because I'm taking it so much more seriously and others are taking it so much more seriously from me, I focus on the good and the positive. And I mean that. It's, it's so easy to think about what we didn't do well, or again, to look at someone else and go, wow, they really killed that. And I don't know if I can perform to that level. I have started, let me tell you, Bridget, I have started a little like treasure box of it's, it's virtual it's all on my, my, my laptop but every time I get a message or an email from someone after I give a presentation or I give a keynote or I give an address I just you know I, I save it and I go back and I look at those 
And even if I think that maybe I didn't nail it or kill it, I, I always get a message or a hug, even if it's in person now, you know, so it's like, oh my God, thank you so much. And they'll repeat back something that I said and they'll tell me how it impacted or changed or, you know, how it moved them. So that for me has been such a, a game changer in my own confidence and in my own, like kind of just to keep going and keep reimagining and keep pushing myself for how I show up when it's time to address audiences. I had to build that arsenal. I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the fact that you focus on what went well, because we can spend so much time beating ourselves up about not being perfect. Well, find me somebody on this planet who is perfect. Okay. Now that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation, but focusing on what went well, and then just building on that super key, super key. Scales is a tri-sector executive bringing years of experience in raising capital, designing culturally sensitive communications, and equitable initiatives. She has been tapped to advise prominent elected officials, global brand executives, and nationally recognized nonprofits, whether she is supporting a startup or leading a turnaround. Her expertise lies in generating outcomes that are both purposeful and profitable. Eris has raised more than $50 million, administered more than $200 million in funding, and has been a speaker and a presenter for Meta, or better known as Facebook, or Meta is the company that owns Facebook and a number of other platforms. She's been a speaker and presenter for Salesforce, AT&T, Visa, and more. In 2020, she founded Able Vision Enterprises, and she serves as the CEO of Walker's Legacy Foundation. So she is a busy lady. Now, in the midst of all of the work, the amazing work you do, I want to think about your favorite presentations for a moment. What is one of your just top presentations where if I said, do the presentation right now, Ayers. What would it be and why do you love it so much? Oh, oh my goodness. I, I really, you know, it's crazy. I think the one that I am most excited about that has really become a favorite for me, uh, there's an organization uh, called the National Coalition of 100 Black Women. And I was the chartering president for the DC chapter. And recently after, man, almost 18 months of groundwork, we launched a new program called Retail Ready with Walgreens. And this was a program to take women entrepreneurs through a training um, and to really help them become retail ready with the goal that ultimately they can end up on the shelves with their product at Walgreens. And this was the first time that I would be giving any kind of remarks, any kind of address as not being the president, because I'm, as of December of last year, I'm no longer president. And they said, Eris, you know, we really want you to come in and, and, and charge the ladies, like give them a charge, a call to action. And I'm like, what am I, you know, okay. I'm so used to being like, I'm Eris Scales, I'm the president, you know. And so I was like, okay, now I'm like the feature and I got to bring it home at the end. And I really, and I've been, I've been tapping more and more and speaking more and more to the importance of honoring our ancestors. And I mean it, like to really 
give gratitude and appreciation and deference to our ancestors. And that whole quote that we hear about being our ancestors' wildest dreams, I mean, we, we hear it, but when we really think about it, we are, right? They could have never imagined when they were in those cotton fields or being shipped across the Atlantic Ocean that they would have descendants who are running businesses, who are making investments that are changing communities, that they are empowering women to have a voice, that they're raising this generation of children who are gonna change the world. And so I was sitting there and I was thinking about these women, entrepreneurs, taking this chance, you know, being hopeful and optimistic that they will be one who will make it onto the shelves of a Walgreens and be a global brand. And we talked, to, I talked about, you know, honoring our ancestors. And I'm, about, I'm like actually about to start crying because the, the women were so emotional. And afterwards they were like, Eris, I hadn't really thought about, you know, the importance of our ancestors and the legacies that we're creating, that we're trying to create and how important that is. And to, to ground my decisions and to have that strength and that grit to keep going because as entrepreneurs, I mean, just for all of us, it's hard. But for entrepreneurs, it's, a, it's especially challenging, right? And so when I got these messages from the ladies afterwards and all these new LinkedIn requests, and I was like, oh my God. And I had started speaking and kind of writing around this. And every time I do it, 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 it I mean, they, I don't know, the response is just overwhelming. So now this has become a thing. I said, okay, let me be a voice to keep reminding everyone about the importance of honoring and just remembering that we would not be here, right? Had it not been for them. And those who are gonna come after us 10, 20, 100, 200 years from now will not be there had it not been for us. So everything that we do today is literally changing trajectories of our communities and our, and our race in our country. So I love to speak around that. Um, and it seems to really resonate well. <laughs> That it sounds like it resonates well. That is so powerful. You have me standing here just in deep thought mm -hmm. because you are, you're just so right. And that phrase, our ancestors, wildest dream, almost seems cliche sometimes it when does. people just kind of rattle it off. And when you really put thought behind it, just really stop for a second. That's right. And, and wind the clock back 100, 200, 300 years, right? Yes. And think about what was yeah. and what is now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's it honestly, like you say, I've heard that many times. I live in DC. You see it at the African-American uh, History Museum. It's, it's along the walls. But it was coming into this role at Walker's Legacy, which uh, supports women entrepreneurs all across the country with our business accelerators and uh, additional kind of capacity building tools and resources. Every single day I'm working with, you know, any number of women entrepreneurs and all the challenges and successes and wins that they have. And it really started to make me think about that. Like, wow, you know, I am blown away by what we are doing um, across this country by way of changing the economy and building back through black women. And so as I think about it and I see their stories and I'm like, we are literally our ancestors' wildest dreams. They could have never even imagined, <laughs> you know, some of the things that we're pulling off now. So, yeah. 
And I'm going to go a step further and say that your presentations are about creating these aha moments in the audience members and having them, it's, it's not that you're telling them anything they've not heard before, anything new, but it's, and this is what's really important for speakers who feel like, oh, I don't have anything fresh to add to the conversation. Ah, oh, what's been said about this topic's been said a million times, but no, it's not that you're telling them anything new, but it's giving a new voice to it and reigniting a passion in them and reminding them of the importance of this topic, of this concept, of this whatever we want to call it, right? whatever label we want to put on it. So that's what speakers are there to do. I love that. Light a fire. That's right. That's right. And I think for anyone that's looking, you know, to do more public speaking or anything, you know, publicly, and I even say this, like, with starting business, I mean, just because there was Apple, it didn't mean that the, that Samsung shouldn't exist, right? Like, there's variations of the same thing. And so back to where I was saying, like, be relatable, be someone that people can connect to, because it's not, you know, what you say is how you say it, right? It's not what you hear is how you receive it. And we receive things differently from people. We hear things differently from people. We relate differently to people. And so, you know, be a voice and not an echo. And so just because someone else is also speaking on legacy building, you know, I also speak a lot around self-care and wellness. That's new for me because that is my life. And I've seen the impact that it has had on my success, actually, you know, both professionally and personally, just things that I've incorporated over the last two years. So, you know, for me, I, if I'm speaking my truth and what I'm realizing is that that truth connects with so many people. And for so long, I was afraid to do that. It's like, to your point, like, who am I to talk about that? Or, you know, someone else is already talking about that. So why do I need to do it? And actually when I would kind of slightly talk about things or if I would slightly start to post things or share things and then I stop this is real people will reach out to me and go oh my god Eris you haven't shared anything lately about your walks <laughs> I love hearing about your daily walks of five and seven miles or I haven't seen you post a new thing about some vegetarian meal you're trying out I'm like really you want to see that and it's like you're giving me inspiration right you haven't talked lately about your new self-care or how you're making money and I'm like wow okay this is really great so when I say focus on the positive and the good that's what I focus on and so people say oh you know everybody want to be seen everybody want to be it's like everyone really does need and seek inspiration I think that's part of what helps this world go we, we need to have something that we are inspired by and that we aspire to and who are we not to provide that like we all have that ability and we all should feel comfortable and that we deserve to do it. Mm. In a little bit, you will have an opportunity to ask me a question. So I am, yes, I'm getting ready for that. Now, when you were talking about how you'll have people reach out to you and say, hey, I've not seen your posts on social media about A, B, and C, the silence sometimes makes us uncomfortable. So you're making all of these posts and you may get a few reactions, a few comments, a few shares, so on and so forth. 
but sometimes you feel like you're just kind of doing it in vain and then all of a sudden you stop and then someone says hey wait a minute where where where's your in your engagement what about the walks and the recipes that happens in presentations too everybody you will have people where maybe they're not speaking up when you ask a question maybe they're not volunteering a comment when you turn the microphone on them or what have you but i promise you that you are sewing into them as long as they're not getting up leaving or <laughs> or or starting an argument with you right there in the presentation if they are staying you have a captive audience right and 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 and, and it's not in everybody's nature to give you an amen or to give you a high five or to nod their heads and I know sometimes you'll say, well, Bridget, I, I have presentations sometimes where people have to be there. I get it. But like Ara said, as long as you're using your voice and you're speaking your passion, you can see the body language in the room. So even if they absolutely just have to be there because they've been mandated by the powers that be, don't let that stop you from bringing all of you to the presentation. You see me over here. I'll, I, they can't see, but I'm just nodding and nodding and nodding because a couple things there, right? Particularly with the, uh, you know, now we've have all the virtual presentations and we have in person. And I'm, you know, just recently starting to get back in person. But one of the things that I always talk about when we kind of do a debrief or you know we go, oh, okay, how did that go? Particularly with the virtual, I am consistently looking at the participant number. I want to see, do we keep people from the beginning to the end? And I love when something starts and then all of a sudden you see a big uptick because that means somebody is like, girl, you need to be on here. <laughs> and then you right. see folks log in, right? Like you see, it's like, oh, and they stay to the end. Oh, and now you don't want to leave. And so I really pay attention to that as well as the room, right? And sometimes you do have people who are required, but a lot of times, you, you really, you don't, right? And I mean, like at conferences and summits, people can move and flow the way that they feel um, as opposed to when you're presenting maybe at, uh, for a company or for, you know, a professional environment. But the thing that is really important to me, like I'm an energy person, I'm a bit of a hippie. Um, and so I say before I, when I come in, I like to come in early. Um, if there's someone presenting before me or if there's something happening, I, I want to assess the lay of the land. I want to get the energy in the room. And I make a decision at that point. Am I going to match the energy or am I going to shift the energy? And I think the way that we present and deliver it's going to be different for that, you know, and more often than not, I'm a person that's like, look, y'all gonna come up here with me because I'm not coming down. So, <laughs> you know, if you're, if the energy is dead and it's off, I'm going, what is missing here? I, I, you know, and sometimes you have to match it because it may be a little more of a reserve delivery. Like just recently, I was very fortunate to have the SBA administrator, Isabel Guzman at a Women's History Month reception. And I was giving uh, remarks, opening remarks. And it was the like one of the very few times that I actually had it scripted out. 
And so it was a lot of people who had seen me speak before and they're like, Ares has a script. And if I, I was like, I can't do this, I'm distracted. And it was like, you know, the room was just cracking up, but I was, I was delivering, I was trying to be reserved because we had the administrator, but I was also still trying to be Ares. And, you know, so I'm looking at the room, I'm reading the room and I could see her face. It was just lit up and she's cracking up. And I said, oh, okay, you know, I don't have to be as reserved as I wanted, you know, as I thought I needed to be. And so, you know, you shift the energy, you match the energy but you really want to bring people to, to where you are and where you're trying to get them. And that's part of the power of being a presenter. You are so right about either you match the energy or you shift the energy. I remember many years ago, maybe around 2012, 13, somewhere around there, I was out in California doing a presentation for a career school and they had a plenary session and then they broke out into these breakout sessions and I was one of the breakouts. And so I'm doing my song and dance. I'm doing the Bridget show, right? And I'm thinking this energy is just, something's wrong here. I found out. I don't know if I found out, I think I found out that day in the plenary session, and these were faculty members at this career school, they had been told there were going to be budget cuts and changes in schedules. And I mean, just all of this, just tough to swallow information. And then at the end of it, okay, now go forth and have a great faculty development day, right? Leave that to me. (laughs) Right. I just like, really? So my but I didn't find this out until after my session so in the middle of the session I'm just sitting there thinking listen I don't know what's going on it's okay it's important for me to shift their thinking toward how can I be a better instructor because that's what I did I -hmm. did faculty development and just gave strategies on how to be the best most engaging most incredible educator that you can be for these young adults coming out of high school and trying to find their way in their professional worlds, right? So I just uh, walk the walk and talk the talk. So not only would I talk about this is what you should do, but then I would model it, right? And then get them talking. And, you know, at the end of the session, it was all good. But just, I, I did bring it down a notch or two because I was like, okay, they're not ready for, right, Bridget, 100%. So I'm going to give them a oh, wow. 93.2 percent right so but it's 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 it's, uh it's just wild how you have to really match it and then like you said sometimes you'll have a more conservative group and they truly are not ready or interested in the full-blown all of you version yeah and I think part of that is you know for those who are looking to go into this or who are in it and looking to grow and scale you know, it's back to alignment. I, I, you know, I will just say this. There, when I first started, a lot of um, the audiences for me uh, and the subjects were very heavy. I mean, because I came from a community development, economic development background, policy background. So again, just a lot of things around social justice and uh, socioeconomics and, and inequalities and equity and, you know, redeveloping communities. And those are, there's no way to really deliver uh, in those environments in a very kind of upbeat free, I mean, because it's just heavy. And so now, not that I won't, because I love talking about building generational wealth and Black economic power and, and, and women, particularly through entrepreneurship, but I want to promote positivity. You know, I want to also speak about those things that 
are important to us so that we can do that heavy work, such as self-care, right? Mental wellness, taking care of yourself, building a tribe and a collective. And so as, as we're going through this journey as speakers, and for those who are looking to go into it, some of the work that I had to do was, all right, Eris, which lane, which vertical, which subjects do you really want to focus on, right? What does what your audience look like? You know, what is, what is your audience taking away? Do you want to be the policy thought leader or do you want to do more of the inspiration and infuse that into the work that you've been doing in that space? And so, you know, that's an exercise that I think everyone has to do. And my coach forced me to do that. My publicist forced me to do that. My branding consultant forced me to do that. And I think there's a lot of pre-work that has to happen if you're really looking to do this in a professional way outside of being invited to do something because of a role that you're in or an affiliation you have with an organization. But if you're looking to do this professionally, there's a lot of pre-work that has to go into it. And it's, it's, it's a heavy lift, but it's very rewarding. No doubt. I cannot disagree with anything. All right. Tables are turning. Now I am the interviewee. What is your question for me, Aris? <laughs> It's really simple because uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> it is. Mm -mm. I'm not following nope, follow for the okie doke. Let me, yeah, let me brace myself. It is. Can I have two questions or I just get one? <laughs> All right. You can, you, two, go for it. All right. So really, I'm not going to say, I love this subject. I love the focus of this podcast. There's a gazillion podcasts out here, right? Just because there's a gazillion podcasts doesn't mean you don't do yours, right? And what you're focusing on now, maybe because I'm always listening to true crime or like something around business or the news because I'm boring. What made you focus on professional and public speaking and building this next tribe of inspirers here in the country around the world? That is a great question. I kind of have a two part answer to it. So I was talking about how I used to do that faculty development job, right? I would tell people, I teach professors how to teach. I was part of this team at an ed tech company. We all had our territories and we traveled the country doing workshops every Thursday, just about every Thursday, almost all of us was on a plane headed to some campus doing a workshop on a Friday, headed home Friday night. And at that company, a VP saw me present at one of our conferences. And yes, he... Uh, you know, said, Bridget, I want you to do some presentation skills training with sales reps and sales managers and so on and so forth. And I was like, really? And I had never really thought about exactly what I did and how I did it. I would watch other people. And if there were speakers that I particularly liked, I would take note of what they did, how they did it, what they said, how they moved, how they phrased it. I, I, I watched everything and listen to everything. And then I would not do the exact same thing, but I would think about how do I create that same impact, but in a Bridget way. So it started there with that VP seeing something in me. And then it just kind of caught on where I was the person that people came to when it came to presentation skills. Because the topics that I focused on as that faculty development consultant were things like engaging lectures, active learning, classroom management. Those were my topics. And so my topics shifted to 
effective presentation skills, owning the microphone, owning the room, grabbing the stage, right? And just showing up as the most powerful person in the room. That's my focus started to shift there. Now, how I got into this podcast world, I'm presenting at a conference, doing what I do. And I think it was September of 2019, I believe. Gentleman comes up to me after my presentation. This is, hey, have you ever thought about having a podcast? Uh, No, man, I need you to move around. No, I haven't. Thank you and goodbye. We exchange cards. We stay in touch with each other. We keep, you know, emailing back and forth, texting back and forth, calling back and forth. Just, hey, how's it going? Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Halloween. And finally, I said, you know what, Nick? There is no way I can sit and talk about presentation skills because that's what I presented on at the conference. There's no way I could sit and talk about that for 20, 30 minutes on a podcast, but I would be willing to talk to other people about presentation skills. So that's kind of how it happened. Mm, I love it. And I, you know, I always say that you never know that every new encounter has an opportunity to be life-changing trajectory changing or to lead to something that you never even thought about like every single time and it's so important and I think that this is part of coming back to being a public speaker and a presenter how you show up counts it 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 is half the battle you know you show up you command that room and everyone needs to know that there, there shouldn't be any doubt about why you're there. Why are you there? And I'm talking about from us, any self-doubt about why we're there. We shouldn't feel that we aren't, uh, that we're not worthy because you've been tapped and asked to do it. So now all you got to do is just show up and own it. You know, you show up and you sell it because you never know what is going to come out. And I hear so many stories like that. And I'm like, wow, I hope I get my next trillion dollars. <laughs> from my next, you know, keynote address or something like that. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And and you made me think about something where I tell people, treat every presentation as if it's, it's a paid one, right? Because as speakers, yes, we do sometimes do sessions pro bono. And, and for various reasons, there's an organization, a local organization, I do keynotes for them, I do not charge them, because Mm -hmm. they they have a cause that I, I like. And I, I, I like the uh, CEO very much. She is such an honorable, top-notch lady, right? So even, even with those presentations, I put just as much time, just as much energy, just as much practice and prep into it as if I'm getting ready to deliver a keynote uh, for whatever organization for however many thousands of dollars treat every single speaking engagement as if it's a paid one. As if it is paid. It is that practice that helps you build that confidence. It is that practice that helps you create your style. And, you know, and I love that too, because I tell people, you know, one of the most important things that you can do, and it's also the most uncomfortable, is to watch yourself again afterwards, right? It's like to go back and to really review how you delivered, how you articulated your cadence, your pitch your speed, you know, how did you, where did you have your hands? How did you have your face? I mean, all of those things are so important. And so, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily have a paid one, but some of those unpaid, I mean, they still continue to help you hone that craft. Um, and you never know who's in that room because you never, you never know. I yeah. want him. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You never know. You never know. Everybody make sure you check the show notes 
scroll down and check the show notes and connect with Eris because during the months of April through June of 2022, Walker's Legacies Level Up series is going to be running during the months of April through June of 2022. And this series focuses on your coins, your connections, and your confidence. So connect with Eris, make sure you get her information so you can get dialed in and get details about Walker's Legacies Level Up series running April through June of 2022. You do not want to miss that. Eris, what else? do we need to know to make sure we own the microphone? I love it. So I think the last thing that I would say, and I kind of touched on it earlier, we are all dope, period. We're dope fiends. And we have to believe that. And if we don't believe that, then we need to do the work to recognize that within ourselves. And so, you know, it's the I would say, you know, you ever see like, you know, some of these reality shows, or again, you'll see speakers, you'll see just whomever. And you go, really? Them? And I go, you know what? There is somebody and something for everybody. And so whatever you have could be that something for the next audience or the next person. And so if you want to be a speaker, if you want to be a presenter, don't doubt yourself. Just start, just do it, right? And recognize that you have a voice, you have a point of view that you are going to be bringing something that is going to connect and resonate, not with just one person, but with multiple people. Because again, there is somebody for everybody, every audience. Uh, and so we could do that work um, to just have that confidence and not compare ourselves to others and just really recognize who we are and what we bring and not to discount ourselves. And I'm saying this right now with all this authority and confidence, and try, because I've done the work to get there, right? Like, because I have done the work. Let's be clear. I have had to bring on a coach. I've had to get a tribe. I have had to do some confirmations and affirmations. I got my crystals. You know, I'm, you know, I sit here and I zone out and I zen out. Um, but I just really want folks to know that every time you walk in that room, you need to walk into that room as though you will never be back never be back. That means you just leave it on the table and you make them go, oh my God, I want more. I need to get in touch with her. I need to get in touch with him. Don't walk in like you're going to come back. Don't, don't let them think this is an everyday commodity, but this is a high class, hard to attain luxury. I'm going to give you a sprinkle with confidence. And then I want you to come back and ask me, how do I do more? So that's what I am, you know. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I could not have said it better myself. I never thought of it that way, but you are spot on. Act like this is your absolute one and only performance and you have got to knock it out of the park. You've got to crush it. And I'm telling you, uh, press rewind, hit play. And and, I mean, just just grab, you get nothing else. Get those last two minutes from Eris. I'm telling you, it's smoking hot. And she (laughs) is, I'm telling you, she's hitting the, the nail on the head. Eris Scales, it has been a pure delight. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Thank you for having me. I'm just smiling. This has been great. <laughs> I'm smiling too. My face is hurting. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Big thank you to Eris Scales for being our guest today. And until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs> <laughs>